This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Preborn. For $140, you can provide ultrasounds to five women in crisis pregnancies. Call now, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229 or JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Welcome, everybody. Great to have you with us for another broadcast. I'm excited. In a few minutes, we're going to be visiting with Kristen Hawkins from Students for Life of America. They are just out with some preliminary findings from a report going into the ties between Planned Parenthood on Christian college and university campuses. Can you believe it? Of course you can believe it, because a lot of these schools that wear the name Christian... It doesn't mean a whole lot anymore. So I'm really excited to talk to Kristen. We'll be visiting with her in just a few minutes. But I want to get into a little bit more pro-life news before we do that. One of the things that people have been talking about in the COVID-19 era, and I know we've received a number of emails from you about it. Lots of listeners have been talking about this with us. The issue of the vaccines and any potential pro-life problems with the vaccines for COVID-19. And now some Catholic church leaders, according to Life News, across America are advising people to avoid the new Johnson and Johnson COVID-19 vaccine because of its connection to abortion and opt for more ethical alternatives. This came from bishops in Pennsylvania, Colorado, some other states. They are saying they have moral concerns about the newly approved vaccine because it was developed with cell lines created from aborted babies. And the FDA, you might have heard, approved this vaccine just a few days ago. Bishop Alfred Schlert of the Diocese of Allentown, Pennsylvania, said the new vaccine vaccine is morally compromised and should not be accepted by Catholics if other choices are available. But of course, as conservative evangelicals, we also have our concerns about any sort of situation in which aborted babies were used in a vaccine. It's just disgusting to even think about. Another Catholic leader expressed moral concerns about the use of cell lines created from aborted babies in the new vaccine. Vaccines should be ethically made, he said, where there's no link at all to cell lines from aborted fetuses. If one has a choice, it's better to to choose those vaccines that are less linked to what we would consider to be a moral evil. According to the Charlotte Lozier Institute, Johnson & Johnson used cell lines created from aborted babies in the design and development, production, and confirmatory lab tests to create the vaccine. No cells from aborted babies are in the actual vaccine. So that needs to be stressed, just so you know what is actually going on. Fetal cell lines are cells taken from an aborted baby and multiplied in a lab into many cells of the same kind. This is from the Institute. These can be grown indefinitely and further multiplied, creating lines of cells that are sometimes used for science experiments. Now, in the case of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, the cell line was created from a baby. Oh, I can't. It's so hard for me to even say this because I'm going to cry. The cell line was created from a baby who was aborted in 1985. Can you imagine something more ghoulish than this? Many also have advised against the vaccine from AstraZeneca because it also used a cell line created from an aborted baby's kidney in development, production and testing. How do these people live with themselves? I'm all for vaccines. I don't want people to get sick. I don't want people to get COVID-19. I don't want people to get any diseases. 
But there's a line here, folks. And I know we have talked on many occasions with the great ethicist Wesley J. Smith from National Review, and he talks a lot about these life issues. And some of these ethicists are in the wrong profession. A lot of them are. So I guess I'm not completely surprised that this would go on. And for some people, the bottom line is all that matters. Who cares about moral considerations as long as we can get a vaccine out to people and we can justify it by saying this will save lives. And the baby was dead anyway, so why not? No, we can't think like that. Some of these leaders encouraged pro-lifers to seek out the Moderna or Pfizer vaccines when possible, but they also emphasized that you can receive the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, this is the Catholic leaders, in good conscience if no other alternative is available. I'm not going to take a vaccine that has any association whatsoever with the cells of an aborted baby. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. The Johnson and Johnson vaccine, according to one bishop, is morally unacceptable, especially in light of better vaccine options. See, I don't understand this thing. If you have no other options, then fine. (laughs) Not having it is fine, too, especially when you have other options. Why in the world would you go with this option? I don't know. Whatever. I'm not taking that vaccine. All right. Something else. Marjorie Dannenfelser, our friend, the president of the Susan B. Anthony list, spoke out at a press conference recently. And I think this is important for people to know about as well. She is slamming the coronavirus relief bill that was passed by this House last week, contending that it amounts to a slush fund for Planned Parenthood. Gee, what a shock. Marjorie, as it says here, issued a statement on this in response to the House's passage of the American Rescue Plan, which will be the first coronavirus relief package passed since Democrats gained control of the legislative and executive branches. And this is what she said. Emboldened by President Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, radical House Democrats are once again capitalizing on the COVID-19 crisis to expand abortion on demand, refusing to add Hyde Amendment protections to the relief bill. The Hyde Amendment is the Christian Post points out prevents the use of taxpayer dollars to fund abortions and congressional Democrats have repeatedly expressed a desire to get rid of it. Again, have we no morals as a country? Have we no morals? For many, many years, we had an agreement across party lines that regardless of where you fall on the pro-life pro-abortion perspective, there should be a basic agreement that you don't violate people's consciences. That's gone, of course. Who cares? They're now into the Equality Act. Consciences, that's so 1982. We don't care about consciences. We don't care about religious freedom. What do we care about that? But And now they want to get rid of it. Why? These people are so concerned about Planned Parenthood and about abortion. And I can't imagine what goes on in the heads of some of these people, that they would go to the mat and in increasingly radical ways to stand up for child killing. What are you doing? I, I guess, you know, in some so many cases, you have consciences that have been so seared that they can't be reasoned with anymore. Oh, it's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice. Well, go back to what they said at the initial 1973 Roe v. Wade decision where they said if it's ever proven that this thing in the womb is actually a human being, then that's going to upend everything. I'm paraphrasing. Well, we crossed that Rubicon a long time ago. 3D ultrasounds, 4D ultrasounds. This is not hard to figure out that there is a human being inside the womb. Think about what comes out of your womb when you go into labor. What do you think that thing is? It's a human being. It's a little girl or it's a little boy or more than one. It's a human being. But you can't have a debate with people who are at war. And that's where we are. And as we've done a lot of shows about this before, we have pointed out with people like, you know, some of these pro-life leaders that we've talked to, 
they want to do everything possible on the left to protect Planned Parenthood and really codify the, the most radical abortion policies that they can. And, and President Biden has been open about this. He wants to codify Roe v. Wade into federal law. These people, there are no holds barred. Look what they did in New York. Look what they did in Illinois with some of these radical bills. Look what Ralph Northam, the governor of Virginia, scourge that he is, said about infanticide. I mean, he says it's not infanticide. It was. Listen to that interview again. So we'd want to make the baby comfortable if the baby is born alive during an abortion. But we wouldn't intervene. Okay, again, paraphrasing. But the whole idea here with these radical Democrats is that we don't care about human life. We just don't care about human life. Crazy. Marjorie adds, in addition, this COVID bill creates a $50 million slush fund for Planned Parenthood, which violently ends the lives of more than 354,000 unborn children a year and changes the rules for small business funding so that the abortion giant can tap into that money as well. This divisive move flies in the face of the unity this administration promised to promote. The majority of Americans, including millions of Democrats and independents, oppose using tax dollars to fund abortion and bail out the abortion industry. Now, she went on to elaborate on her concerns in a letter to lawmakers that was recently published before a vote on the American Rescue Plan took place. And she said, while prior bipartisan COVID relief packages have included Hyde protections on funding streams that fall outside of existing limits on abortion funding. This bill departs from the status quo by leaving funds open to use for abortion. This bill appropriates large sums of money for health activities and for community health centers outside of the labor, health and human services appropriations, purposefully exempting the funds from the protection of the Hyde Amendment. And this would allow the funding to be used for elective abortion, destroying rather than saving life. The pro-life fight continues. We'll be coming back. Kristen Hawkins with us talking about this shocking report on Christian colleges and universities ties to Planned Parenthood. Stay with us. Fellow Christians are suffering in Africa. Hi, this is Janet Mefford. Pastor Lumo ministers in Mozambique near the Indian Ocean. He's been beaten and jailed many times, not merely for what he believes, but for how he lives out his faith. You see, Lumo has been quietly and faithfully sharing the gospel with Muslims, and many are coming to Christ. But extremists have assaulted Lumo, his family, and many in his church. But they're not asking for an end to the persecution they face. Instead, they're praying for God's word to endure and and persevere as new followers of Jesus Christ. That's exactly why we're partnering with Bible League International to send Bibles to 1,500 new believers in Africa. $5 sends a Bible, $50 sends 10, and every gift given will be doubled. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, or there's an Open the Floodgates banner at JanetMefford.com. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, and God bless you for caring. 
Hi, this is Janet Mefford. Did you miss the deadline to sign up for a health care program at the end of 2020? If so, I have good news. A special enrollment period is taking place now through May 15th, meaning that if you're looking to enroll in a new health care program for 2021, you can do so without the need for a qualifying event. More than 200,000 Americans trust Liberty HealthShare for their health care needs. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit health care sharing ministry that offers affordable health care sharing programs, starting as low as $199 per month. Liberty HealthShare gives you the ability to choose any doctor or hospital across the nation. Memberships are for individuals, couples, and families, offering a variety of options to best suit your medical needs. Discover more about the power of sharing at libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT today. For more information, call 855-585-4237, 855-585-4237, or libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Well, the evils of Planned Parenthood are very well known. The abortion giant has killed millions of unborn children and was exposed in those famous undercover videos as being involved in baby body parts trafficking. But now more is coming to light about Planned Parenthood that should especially alarm Christians. Students for Life of America is out with a new report revealing Planned Parenthood's quiet relationships with purportedly Christian colleges and universities. And we're going to talk about it more now with Kristen Hawkins, who is president of Students for Life of America. Kristen, so good to have you with us. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me today. Sure. Now, you have just released some preliminary findings on Planned Parenthood's Mm -hmm. relationships with, what is it, 25 Christian colleges and universities? That's right. And there's actually more coming. Um, This was just kind of our first wave of research that we just released yesterday. Um, And and sad, this is sad to say, but this is a, a noticeable trend and something that we kind of had to take the time to research because... It's, it's not an isolated incident, as many of us would like to think. That is really shocking. What, what put this on your radar in the first place? Did you have people from some of these colleges coming to you and saying, hey, you'll never believe what's going on here? Absolutely. Um, we, you know, we noticed this years ago when we first started working on Christian campuses. We would have challenges starting pro-life students for life groups. And, you know, you would think a Christian school would be the easiest place to start a pro-life group. And the the sad fact is, Janet, in most cases, they are the hardest. Mm. These are private schools, so our students don't have the same First Amendment rights that they would have on a public school. Often we'll hear from the administration, we don't need that here. Or they'll they'll say, no, we don't want that. Uh, Pro-life is political, which we know it's not. It's a human rights issue. And so we started digging in, like, why? Why were we seeing resistance in in administrations or them losing our applications for months at a time? And and we started noticing some trends of relationships that these Christian schools have. Um, Some of them are really tight relationships. Um, with with the abortion industry, with Planned Parenthood, allowing them, um, you know, to advertise internships, promoting internships or job op- openings <sighs> at the Planned Parenthood, um, or having Planned Parenthood just come on campus and make a presentation. Um, you know, we had some interesting um, emails with one college in Minnesota, for example, where the Christian female Christian minister of the school, you know, was proud that they were associated with Planned Parenthood oh. uh, and, you know, absolutely refused to cut any ties to, to the abortion industry um, and, you know, reaffirmed the, the Church of Christ's um, commitment to, quote, unquote, abortion rights. 
Um, and so that's why we released this, this uh, study. Uh, we have action pages uh, for all these 25 schools, actually 23 schools. We actually had two victories just in the past week since we, uh, we, we contacted these schools and we thankfully were able to get two colleges to come out and immediately uh, withdraw their relationship uh, with Planned Parenthood. That's fantastic. And that was what Messiah College and St. Francis University, is that correct? That is, that is exactly right. And this is, that makes number, I think, 19 and 20 over the past couple of years of colleges we've been able to work with um, and to get, you know, the school to, you know, you know, just nix the contract with Planned Parenthood. Um, and sometimes it's the minute that, you know, the president of the university has no idea it's happening. Um, and just, you have to be always, that's always go to them privately, try to get them to privately change their minds. Um, and these are the first uh, schools that we couldn't get any response from, that we've heard nothing from. Uh, they will not respond to our request or have told us, heck no, we're proud to, to be aligned with the abortion industry. Oh, man. Well, this is really weird when you say that some of these presidents don't even know what's going on. What is Planned Parenthood doing to weasel its way onto these campuses and forge these relationships yeah. without even the presidents of these universities or colleges knowing about it? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, we see it all the time. It's, you know, uh, a professor will promote uh, internship opportunities or the Women's Health Center. The, the Student Health Center, in fact, is probably the most likely place you will find a Christian school aligned with Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood will come in, meet with the nurses and the staff at the Christian Health Center uh, and say, you know, just send your girls here. If they've gotten if they feel like they have an STD or if they have a pregnancy question, just come here and you, know, you can outsource it. Uh, to to us. And, and that for us is what is extremely, extremely uh, disturbing and something that really needs to end. And so I think if you're, a, you know, in the faculty of one of these Christian, of, of any Christian school, I mean, go into your women's health center, check it out, uh, see what kind of resources they have for pregnancy, pregnancy. Um, you know, go and walk around campus and see what flyers are being posted from different divisions. Well, that's really smart. And you also point out, for example, that they are coming in in the guise of health and wellness and being a resource for students. Mm -hmm. But of course, that's a joke. I mean, Planned Parenthood, you point out in a great piece you wrote over at American Thinker, all of the ways that Planned Parenthood just lies about what it does. Can you tell people a little bit about Planned Parenthood's claims of health and wellness just being ridiculous? Yeah, I mean, one one. That I saw recently that actually even shocked me was that Planned Parenthood is only treating about 18% of the STDs that they diagnose. We're often told that, you know, we have to tolerate taxpayer funding of Planned Parenthood because, you know, they do these good services. They do these good things beyond, you know, dismembering human children. They do these other good things and we should, we should be excited and thankful that they do these good things. Well, they're not even treating the, the STDs that they diagnose. I just find that absolutely shocking. Um, you know, we often see and what we've been battling in schools for a while now is Planned Parenthood comes in and they offer to do sex education training. Uh, so they'll go in and, you know, tell the gym teacher, you don't have to have those uncomfortable conversations. We'll send somebody who's trained from our staff who'll come in. 
Well, that is exactly what they want. That is their biggest marketing push they can do the whole year yeah. is to get into our schools and to build relationships with middle schoolers, with high schoolers, kids who haven't even had sex yet, yeah. um, and, and pass out their business card and tell them, you know, hey, if you want, if you want, to ha- want advice, if you want to talk to somebody, come see us. Disgusting. Well, tell us about some of these other schools that you've pinpointed that are having these relationships with Planned Parenthood on various levels, because I'm looking at the list of the initial, I guess, the rest of the 23 here of the initial 25. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are liberal mainline oriented, you know, affiliated. So for conservative evangelicals, they will say, okay, well, that's not a conservative evangelical school. Some are Roman Catholic. But what stands out to you among this list of some of these colleges and universities that, that you've pinpointed are working? with Planned Parenthood in these ways? Yeah, in a lot of the ways, it's, it's online. So it's on the school resources page. So like Fordham University is well-known, uh, major Catholic institution. Um, you know, they, have their, they use Planned Parenthood teacher transgender toolkit. Mm. Uh, it's listed <laughs> twice as a resource for, on their Center for Ethics Education for Students in Distress. Um, and you and you can go, by the way, go to studentsforlife.org and go to our blog. And we have, um, actually, if you go to studentsforlife.org slash Christian colleges, there's a map of all of these 25 schools. And you can click uh, on each of the school. And we have like a little blog about uh, with screenshots from the website. Uh, we also have an action page where you can directly, you know, email the president of the university. We're trying to inundate uh, their email inboxes and phone lines right now uh, and get people um, paying attention to, to, to this. But yeah, no, Fordham was, is a big one for, for us. Um, and it was shocking. We, we've had a, you know, students for life group there for a number of years. A recent victory we have is in Seattle college, a Catholic Seattle university was, it was a, was a really great victory to see the school um, rescind their, you know, listing of Planned Parenthood. Um, but it didn't come without a cost. The president of the university, actually, there were teachers and students who, you know, rallied against him more than a thousand um, folks signed a petition uh, supporting Planned Parenthood and all the, you know, quote unquote, wonderful things that they do. Mm. Um, so that's a big one for, for us. Um, one that I was surprised about at my home state, West Virginia Wesleyan University. It's a United uh, Methodist School. They've got the relationship with Planned Parenthood. I was a little surprised uh, that this school would, would even do I mean, there's only like one Planned Parenthood in the state of West Virginia. It's not even close to West Virginia Wesleyan. <laughs> um, but it's there. They hosted a training session on campus. They spoke at their, on their campus. Uh, and we've got the screenshots to prove it. Um, in Virginia, you've got Roanoke College, University of Lynchburg, uh, Oklahoma City University, um, uh, Ohio Wesleyan, um, McAllister College in Minnesota. That was the one where the um, uh, actual, I think it was her title is campus minister who actually wrote back a very nasty email to us, um, <laughs> you know, emphatically stating her support for Planned Parenthood. Oh. Drury University in Missouri, California Lutheran University, um, American University in D.C., which is associated with the Methodist Church, uh, Luther College in uh, Iowa, the Lutheran College, obviously. Um, so it kind of goes a- across the board. Uh, but you're right, it's a lot of mainline 
uh, universities, uh, New Brunswick Theological Seminary. Oh, um, they, so, I mean, that, that to me, that, when I saw, saw that name, oh. that, I was like, wait a minute, a theological seminary? <laughs> um, so, I oh. mean, some of these even surprised me, and I've been doing this for quite some time. Oh, my goodness. I, you know what? I wish I could say I'm surprised, Kristen, but it doesn't surprise me either. It, it's just such mm-hmm. a bad situation. It's so many of these colleges and universities that happen to have some kind of Christian affiliation. you got to dig deeper. But, you know, I really salute you guys for doing this work. When is the full report out really quickly? I know we don't have time to go into it, but when is the rest of the report going to be released? We'll release it beginning of next school year. So it'll be in August. We'll have probably another wave of schools released before this school year. Um, We're hoping, you know, as I said, we try to go to these schools in private first uh, and to get them to, you know, resolve the situation. Um, but then, you know, we, we give them so much time and so many contacts, and then, then we release this publicly. Well, I'm really glad you're doing this. Kristen Hawkins, president of Students for Life of America. You can check it out, studentsforlife.org slash Christian Colleges. Kristen, God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. God bless. All right. You take care. You're listening to Janet Meffer today. This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Preborn. For $140, you can provide ultrasounds to five women in crisis pregnancies. Call now, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229 or JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. And now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. Well, what will happen with Javier Becerra? Unbelievable. This guy has no qualifications on this HHS nomination, and it's very interesting to see the Senate committee has cast a tie vote. Uh, It's nuts, really. It's really nuts. The Senate Finance Committee this week cast a tie vote on the nomination of Javier Becerra to become the Secretary for Health and Human Services. He's an abortion activist, radical leftist. This was a 14-14 party line vote, according to Life News, with Democrats supporting the pro-abortion California Attorney General and Republicans opposing his nomination, setting up a full Senate vote as it forces pro-abortion Democrat leader Chuck Schumer to file a motion on the Senate floor to bring his nomination out of committee. Senator Marsha Blackburn, herself a very, very strong pro-lifer, was discussing this with Stuart Varney. And I think this is really important for people to understand about Becerra's terrible record. This is cut one. His record uh, with the way he went after the little sisters of the poor, suing them, uh, the way he has pushed back against religious liberty. These are all things that cause call him into question. And you have someone who has zero health care experience, zero experience in public health, and yet he wants to be the Secretary of Health and Human Services, manage this trillion-dollar budget during the time of a pandemic, and he has no health care experience. So, Stuart, what you're looking at is why does Joe Biden want him there, and why is he trying to push him through Senate approval when there is so much opposition to him? Because he is Hispanic, he's the former Attorney General of the state of California, which is still a, uh, what's the word of it, a a state that uh, welcomes illegals. 
And I think this is a payoff for California's vote for President Biden. But that's just my opinion, Senator. <laughs> Not necessarily Well, yours. and we know uh, that uh, Javier Becerra would put illegal immigrants in front of American right. citizens when it comes to health care. Well, there you have it. There you have it. This is interesting. Going back to Life News, during the confirmation hearings, Becerra desperately tried to cover up his attempt to force the Little Sisters of the Poor to fund abortions. You remember that whole thing? And although the abortion activist fought in court to make the nuns pay for abortion-causing drugs in their health care plan, he claimed during the hearing that he never sued any nuns. Right. He sued the federal government, but suing the federal government would have affected the nuns. So you don't have to directly sue the nuns to go after the nuns. It's just dishonest. And this was something that Senator Ben Sass brought up during the hearing. Listen to cut two. You know well that what the federal government did was make sure that you couldn't target the nuns. So you sued the federal government because the federal government said the nuns didn't have to buy contraceptive insurance. You can put 17 layers of you were following the law to go after the federal government for administering the program or doing X or doing Y that made it difficult for you to, for California to administer the program. But it was just about nuns buying contraceptive coverage. Was there something else the federal government did that you were suing them for? When, when in the case called California versus Little Sisters of the Poor? Senator, the, the case was not, again, th- that was not the name of the case. And what I will tell you is that our actions were based on trying to follow the law. That when the federal government took action, which we believe did not comport with the law, at that point we took action. And our action was based on the law. And so, as I've said, we, we may disagree on how we see this. And I respect the differences that we may have. But my action was to follow the law. What about the law as the federal government's conscious, conscience exceptions applied in the case where you sued the federal government? What about the law applied to anybody except the nuns and other similarly situated religious institutions? Uh, you were targeting religious liberty. Right. Because that's what they do. He's really known in California as a liberal culture warrior. The Washington Examiner points out he's filed over 100 lawsuits against against the Trump administration, including those aimed at strengthening Obamacare and broadening access to contraception. And then they point out that anti-abortion advocates, we like to be called pro-lifers, thank you, have attacked Becerra's record of fighting a Trump policy aimed at loosening coverage requirements for health plans purchased for employees of faith-based ministries. Becerra filed that lawsuit in 2017 to reject that new policy that would have allowed religiously affiliated groups to opt out of the Obamacare mandate that insurance plans cover contraception and medication abortion costs. And again, the the Little Sisters of the Poor issue came up. With the Senate split 50-50, Republicans will need one centrist Democrat to break ranks and vote against Becerra. Joe Manchin is one of those senators they'll be targeting to try to get him to go the right way. He was the lynch pin for near attendance nomination as director of the OMB, the Office of Management and Budget, and could be the GOP's crucial swing vote this time, too. So hopefully that will be the case. I, I kind of laugh, though, because when people have brought up the fact that Becerra has no health care experience, why, on what planet would this guy be the guy to pick for this position, if not for some kind of a political award? But I go back. What was Barack Obama's qualification to be president? He had no experience. Yes, he had been in state government in Illinois. And yes, he was a senator from the state of Illinois, but he did nothing. I remember talking about this at the time, around the time he was elected and looking at his record as a senator. And he pretty much didn't do anything. 
but he had the right identity politics. And so it was time because he was going to make America purple or bright red. Not in the Republican sense, maybe in the hammer and sickle sense. He's going to make America red again. Just a different kind of red than we're used to or that we would prefer. So who cares about qualifications? It's all about the ideology, baby. That's all it's about. Experience doesn't matter. Gravitas, which was once their favorite word, that doesn't matter. They don't care. It's all political. Neera Tandon never should have been nominated for the OMB. Doesn't matter. And, and, and by the way... Not trying to get personal on any level, but look at President Biden. This is guy who isn't holding press conferences. He's not having any sort of daily interaction. And generally speaking with the press, he has this press secretary that he's trotting out, Jen Psaki, who's just constantly saying ridiculous and embarrassing things and being very snide and rude. Where is he? What's he doing? Is he hanging out in the basement? Is he going golfing? I Who knows? But can you imagine if a Republican president were this MIA? Can you imagine what they would say about a Republican president who didn't appear very often and hadn't done a press conference after, what, 42 days, 43, something along those lines? Do you think they might question whether or not the person, especially given his public appearances, was actually fit for office? Hey, where's the 25th Amendment when you really need it? This is a man who didn't even know on the campaign trail which office he was running for. Remember, that. just go back to all of those clips that came out during the course of the campaign. Now, I'm running for the U.S. Senate. Psst, Joe, you're running for president. Oh, yeah. President. Corn pop. Yeah. Hair on my legs. So why would we expect some kind of bold leadership? Bold leadership is not how the left rolls. Well, bold, yes. Leadership, not so much. And when they do lead, it's always their side only. And the other side is the enemy. And I'm going to get into that in just a moment because President Biden did a good job offending conservatives yet again with some of these COVID-19 restrictions being lifted in the states of Texas and Mississippi. But I want to get to this very quickly before we go to break. This is from the Sacramento Bee. It says California AG's office withholding data on gun sales and restraining orders from researchers. Oh, yes. Attorney General Javier Becerra's office is withholding gun violence data from a state funded research institution tasked by lawmakers with evaluating California's firearm regulations and also is directing universities to destroy records the agency previously previously released. So can we add corruption to the adjectives on the list of why Javier Becerra should be next? Researchers at the UC Davis California Firearm Violence Research Center say that over the last several years, the DOJ has made it increasingly difficult to access data only it maintains, despite a legal mandate to provide the records. The legislature several years ago passed a law to establish and fund the center, which works alongside an existing gun violence research program at UC Davis. And the idea was to support independent research to identify policies that best prevent deaths and injuries caused by gun violence. But these researchers are hitting a wall when asking Becerra's agency for data on gun violence restraining orders and firearm sales records and the state's effort to disarm individuals who pose a danger to themselves and the public. And without the data, according to the center's director, certain research projects are now impossible to complete. Sounds like a real can-do guy, that heavier. Crazy stuff. We'll be back. You're listening to Janet Meffer today. Hi. 
Hi, this is Janet Mefford. If you're in need of a new health care program, but you missed the open enrollment deadline in December, it's not too late. A special enrollment period is taking place now through May 15th. During this time, you can enroll in the health care program of your choice without the need for a qualifying event. This means you can now enroll in a health care sharing program from Liberty HealthShare with memberships for individuals, couples, and families. You can find a variety of options to best suit your medical needs. Plus, you really can choose the doctor and hospital of your choice. Best of all, membership options start for as low as $199 a month. More than 200,000 Americans trust Liberty HealthShare for their health care needs. What are you waiting for? Discover more about the power of sharing at libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT today. For more information, call 855-585-4237. 855-585-4237 or libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. Hi, this is Janet Mefford for Preborn. Women in crisis pregnancies today are often under tremendous pressure to abort. But he was like, you're not ready for another baby. And at that moment, I felt that I'm not going to be able to be a mom to this baby. So I came to the pregnancy clinic. She said they go to heartbeat. That changed my life just from that ultrasound picture. These are the voices that a young mom in crisis hears. She wants to make the right choice, but society and those around her are telling her that a preborn baby is not a life. This is where the Ministry of Preborn steps in. Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country, shining a light into a mother's womb and introducing her to the beautiful life growing inside her. I'm going to keep my baby and I'm going to be a great mom. Join Preborn in helping young moms in crisis. For $140, you can sponsor five ultrasounds. Call now, 855-402-BABY, 855-402-2229. That's 855-402-BABY. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Well, I was very happy as somebody who lives in the great state of Texas, that Governor Greg Abbott came out this week and also the state of Mississippi lifting COVID-19 restrictions and statewide mask mandates. They have a little bit more restriction going on in Mississippi pertaining to businesses being open. Here in Texas, it's now going to be open 100%. It's not that the private businesses can't still maintain mask mandates individually. They can do that. But, you know, it's about time. It's about time. And what happens with President Biden? Well, let's see. He likes talking about COVID-19. He doesn't talk about much else because we don't see a lot of him. He's kind of like, I don't know, he's kind of like a total eclipse of the sun. Hey, uh, come on out and see him. (laughs) You're not going to see him for a while, so you might as well come see him. President Biden had some really kind of snarky things to say about the decisions by the states of Texas and Mississippi to end mask mandates. This is what he said. This is cut three. I hope everybody's realized by now these masks make a difference. We are on the cusp of being able to fundamentally change the nature of this disease because of the way in which we're able to get vaccines in people's arms. We've been able to move that all the way up to the end of May to have enough for every American, to get every adult American to get a shot. And the last thing, the last thing we need is the Neanderthal thinking that in the meantime, everything's fine, take off your mask, forget it. It still matters. Okay, okay. Texas and Mississippi are exhibiting Neanderthal thinking. Weren't you the same man who said during your inaugural address that it's all about unity? It's all about unity. We're going to come together as a nation. We'll be purple. Kind of like your predecessor. 
You were vice president under the purple man. Oh, we're going to make America purple. We're going to bring together everyone. Oh, no, I'm going to be one of the most divisive presidents ever. And I guess his vice president, who's now the president of the United States, will be continuing that policy. So Texas and Mississippi, after a year of lockdowns and economic meltdowns, finally giving some people some relief after the vaccines have been around now for a while and people are able to get them and cases are going down and hospitalizations are going down. It's Neanderthal thinking to try to reinstate the freedoms that Americans have always enjoyed. Okay, right. He goes on. Listen to cut four. I carry a card and I don't have it. I put it on my desk. As of last, as of yesterday, we had lost 511,874 Americans. We're going to lose thousands more. This will not occur. We'll not have everybody vaccinated until sometime in the summer. We have the vaccine to do it. Getting a shot in someone's arm and getting a second shot. You're going to take time. And it's critical, 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 critical that they follow the science. Wash your hands. Hot water. Do it frequently. Wear a mask and stay socially distanced. And uh, I know you all know that. I wish the heck some of our elected officials knew it. Okay, you're all big on the science. He's doing all of this speaking, by the way, through a mask. So that's why. I mean, imagine trying to do public speaking with your face covered. It's ridiculous. Who's he going to spread COVID to? Is he sick? It's it. It drives me nuts. But. He doesn't talk about the efficacy of masks. He doesn't go back to some of the CDC or some of the research studies that have been done showing even from that OSHA video that I played for you last week, where it says masks, most, you know, these masks that people are using, these three ply masks, they don't do anything. And they shouldn't be used to try to stop the spread of airborne diseases, you know, that you're some kind of coronavirus, whether it's this coronavirus or another coronavirus. Generally speaking, the masks aren't going to do anything. And we know this because you see the mask mandates in California and Hawaii basically didn't do anything. So it's masks are not saving anybody. They're just not. And if you don't feel safe and if you don't feel like you want to go out and about, you don't have to. That's what freedom is all about. Now, I really appreciated some of the remarks from Texas Governor Greg Abbott because he reacted to being labeled someone with Neanderthal thinking over on Fox. Listen to Cut 5. First, it it obviously is not the type of thing that a president should be saying. But second, he kind of said it on the worst day he could have. Because the same day he said that, uh, in Texas, the Biden administration was releasing illegal immigrants into our communities who had COVID. The Biden administration was spreading COVID in South Texas yesterday because of their lack of constraint uh, of of testing and and, uh, quarantining. Uh, people who'd come across the border illegally. The Biden administration uh, was exposing Texans to COVID. That is Neanderthal-type approach uh, to dealing uh, with the COVID situation. Thank you, President Biden. So you slam the governor for Neanderthal thinking because you're so afraid about COVID-19 spreading, and then you're letting these illegal immigrants who have COVID-19 across the border. Fantastic. 
Fantastic. This is from One News Report. More than 100 illegal immigrants who tested positive for the coronavirus after their arrival in Texas since late January have been released by the Border Patrol into the Lone Star State and are free to travel to other parts of the U.S., according to reports. Felipe Romero, a spokesman for the border city of Brownsville, told Fox News that they're telling the migrants who tested positive to follow CDC guidelines to quarantine and maintain social distancing. Right. Okay. So he doesn't have a leg to stand on. He has no leg to stand on. You're really worried about COVID-19 in Texas, huh, President Biden? Really? You're really concerned about that. Then why don't you keep the illegal aliens who have COVID-19 in their own countries? (gasps) How could you say something like that? Well, I just did. And Greg Abbott went on to say there's something even more important. This is cut six. With regard to masks, uh, the, the change in Texas really wasn't all that much different from where we were before for a couple of reasons. Uh, first, we are still uh, strongly advocating uh, that every Texan follow the best practice. Where we are today is completely different from where we were this time last year when Texans and Americans didn't know how to deal with this for an entire year. Texans have learned the best practice, and that is to wear a mask, and we still strongly recommend that people do wear a mask. But when we saw the spikes in cases after Christmas and New Year's, uh, we, we saw that most of those spikes, they didn't occur in businesses or in schools or uh, in lo- other locations like that, like retail centers. Most of those transmissions occurred in the home setting where people were not wearing a mask in the first place. And so uh, the mask requirement being eliminated isn't going to make that big of a change in the state of Texas. Also, people in Texas will continue to wear a mask, even though there's not a state mandate. We're just in a situation now where government mandates are not needed because Texans do know the best practices. Oh, that's interesting. So most of the spikes in cases, as he mentioned, were coming from home settings where people weren't wearing masks anyway. So what's the issue here, President Biden? Now, this is kind of interesting. One of the things that was raised on this Fox interview was the fact that some leftist somewhere was making claims that Texas and Mississippi are deliberately murdering people of color with their COVID-19 policies, which I still can't really wrap my head around. But Governor Abbott responded to that as well. Cut seven. Well, nothing could be further from the truth for different reasons that I will explain. And that is one thing that Texas is doing. Uh, We are sending out 1,100 National Guard uh, to go to communities that are hard to reach with regard to the vaccination program and and making sure that uh, everybody of every color uh, is going to have a chance uh, to be able to get the vaccine. Uh, Texas is doing a great job of rolling out vaccines. Yesterday, we set an all-time record um, of 229,000 vaccines for the past week. Uh, We've issued more than 1.2 million vaccines. Uh, We have locations set up in the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, which is very close to people of color. And so there's all kinds of things that are being done to make sure that everybody in the state of Texas is getting a vaccine. And our our vaccine numbers are going up very rapidly of of people of all categories and colors. But I have to emphasize this, Brian. Go ahead. And that is our main focus in Texas is to focus on those most likely to lose their life or be hospitalized because of COVID. Those are people age 65 and older. By the time my order goes into effect, more than 50% of that population will have been vaccinated. 
That's the way to go. So I'm glad to hear that. I think it's funny, too, the American Spectator had written an article on Biden and his Neanderthal thinking comment, Scott McKay, and and made a really good point. He was reminding everybody about the rebuke that President Trump delivered to Biden during the first presidential debate last year, saying nothing about you is smart. And they kind of jumped on that and said, "Uh, let's go through some of the things that President Biden has said and done that haven't been that smart. Let's see, uh, nominating Neera Tandon or uh, clothing Washington, D.C. in razor wire with National Guardsmen and poorly fed guardsmen at that, standing guard against QAnon. Yeah, that was a brilliant move. Lots of threats from QAnon that weren't. Was it smart to launch an all-out assault on the energy industry in his first day in office that put tens of thousands of Americans out of work and gasoline and oil prices have shot off like a rocket ever since? The latter might have been happening anyway, but to average Americans already struggling economically who are now going to strain to keep the gas tank full as prices keep going up, the obvious and predictable conclusion will be that Biden is responsible. Well, more basement hiding, I suppose. Then you don't have to talk about it. (laughs) This is no way to run a country. Am I right or am I right or am I right? I don't think this is a way to run a country. Keep praying. Thanks for being with us here on Janet Mefford today. Jesus is Lord. Keep that in mind. He is our hope. And we'll see you next time.